Hi, I'm Cassie. <laughs> Hi, Cassie. I'm Emily, and this is Full, Full Scream Ahead. Ahead, your spooky road trip bucket list. That apparently sometimes includes photographs that we stare too long at. We look into the void, and the void looks back into us. I'm doing you a hecking concern, aren't I, Aries? Cassie just made Aries the happiest cat. I did, and now... And then she attacked my face. Well, you stopped scratching her. I also picked her up, which was a big no-no. Aries has a big cone on her face. She is the Pixar lamp this week. She really is. Um, but she's the Halloween edition of the Pixar lamp specifically. Yes. Yeah, because she's got her little pumpkin colors. Halloween is her gotcha day. Yeah. She is the spook cat... Of all spook cats. She's perfect. Yeah. Not like spook as in CIA. We don't think you're a narc. <laughs> spook like spooky in Halloween. No, no narcs here. Anyway, hi. Welcome to the podcast. Um, I don't have my script up. Hold, please. That, that's fine. Um, you'd think we, I'd have this memorized. <laughs> well, I mean, we can't even figure out our audio equipment. Yeah. I don't know what the hell happened last week. Like, we recorded. We were here. We did the thing. And then <laughs> I go to edit the thing. And it's like, I don't know, robots well, interfered? Well, not only did we record the thing, we also did a test before we recorded, and the audio was fine. Yeah. So between the 10 seconds from recording the test audio to recording the real audio, uh, the, nah, spirits happened. I don't know. And, and now, I, now I'm paranoid. <laughs> Yeah, so you think now after a year of doing this, we'd learn how audio equipment works? Well, I'm gonna tell you right now, I don't know how any of this works. I just show <laughs> up, all right? Like I'm gonna, I'm gonna set that fact straight. I don't know how none of this works. I dump it from my brain the second you leave every Saturday. Oh yeah, okay. <laughs> uh, so that's why it takes us a minute to relearn how to do it on Saturdays. Yeah, in the morning. <laughs> Got it. I mean, hey, you're not you're not working. All of your IT stuff needs to go away. That's true. <laughs> the Ritalin and the coffee hasn't kicked in yet. Forgive me for my yawn have to be included we can we can cut that out but the yawn's not necessary i mean you've got great comedic sense of timing like your comedic timing is on point so if you think it's funny we can keep it in but you have my permission to remove me yawning and then apologizing (laughs) for a yawn because we'll see how i feel on editing day yeah i am just questioning like all of my comedic timing and inflections um, yesterday, so someone called yesterday and he goes, um, so I'm using my computer and this is probably a new one for you, but like, are you ready for this? I'm just like, yeah, sure. Okay. It's a new one. Yeah. What's happening? Probably not. <laughs> he goes, well, I'm using my computer and it just starts smoking. And I was like, uh, have you talked to it about stopping? And he's like, <laughs> well, I shut it down. <laughs> I was like, is, is it even old enough to be doing that? And it's like, well, it's like three, four years old, I guess. And I'm just like, he wasn't picking up. You know on what? The joke. Just send, just send it back. Just send it back. <laughs> That's. I don't think IT can help if your laptop just starts smoking. I think you need to take it to like Narcotics Anonymous. Or I guess not Narcotics Anonymous. Tobacco Anonymous. I don't think that's a thing. But if it was, that's where you would need to take that laptop. <laughs> that, that's the avenue of the joke you were going down, I assume. And he yes. just wasn't picking up on it. I think he just wanted a new laptop. And he was like, I'm not going to... That's the only thing I'm focused on in this whole conversation. I get it. 
But that that was a funny response. <laughs> if I called my IT and they started making jokes at me, it would be the best IT phone call I've ever made. There's actually one dude that works. I don't even know if our IT department works for the company or if it's outsourced. It's probably outsourced. I feel like they all are. Um, yeah, ours is like half and half. Yeah. So I called one day and I was like, I'm having this issue and it's really dumb and it's been happening for three days and I really just need somebody to fix it. And if you can't be that person, that's totally fine. But for the love of God, can you please find me the person who can fix this? And then he was just talking to me like normal and he was like cracking jokes with me. And he was like, yeah, no, this looks like it's super broken. And I was like, okay, that's really great feedback. Thank you. And then we somehow got in the topic of cats. So I just like had a 10 minute conversation with my IT dude about cats while he Aww. tried and failed to fix my computer. And I was like, this is the most pleasant IT experience I've ever had and nothing is fixed. Thank you so much. Because usually the people at IT do not act personable at all. They, they are simply machines, just like the thing I'm trying to have them fix. But I know they're people, and I just want them to act like people with me. And I, I get it. Nobody's happy when they call IT. Nobody's happy when they come to the car repair place either. Everybody's mad all the time. I think I just so spent like, too damn just much of be, my life being in customer service. It's just, I just want you to be a person with me. We can talk about whatever. That's how I feel when I call my bank, too. Like, why is everybody that works at the bank call center so mean? I don't, I don't understand. I mean, call center jobs are literal hell, so I yes. get it. I get it. But I'm not an asshole. Like, we can pretend to... I don't know. Maybe my expectations are too high because I've worked in customer service too long. I don't know. I just feel like if people are friendly with you, you should be friendly with them until they give you a reason not to be. Yeah, I feel like you should match energies. Yeah, but that's just my experience. Yeah. So anyway, I feel like we got off topic. Yeah, we did the we thing. Did. We recorded the thing. And... Uh, <laughs> And, and then I went to edit the thing, and it was all, like, wobbly and wah, 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 like the robots were taking over. So um, we tried. We did make an attempt. The um, effort so was there. There's photographic evidence. Eventually, we may try to re-record that episode. Um, yes. So if that happens, we will probably begin the episode by saying this is the re-recording mm-hmm. of, the, of the tragic disaster of the lost <laughs> podcast. The one that once was. <laughs> That has to be the episode title if we ever do it. It's the one that once the was. Once that, well, the, I mean, it kind of was. It was. <laughs> I mean, it's there. It's just bad audio. Yes. But it can't be worse than the Paris Catacombs audio. <laughs> Our earlier recordings were rough. I feel like we've grown so much. But I did such there. a good job on the Paris Catacombs and it yes. sounds like such garbage. Someday when we actually learn how this stuff works, we'll just re-record our first season. Yeah. Like I said, season at least two the is first, our like, start. <laughs> the, first, the first couple episodes, at least. Because some of season one, I feel like we got the audio fine. And by we, I mean you. Because you do all of the hard stuff. I just show up. And sometimes research. But not as often as you do. So I apologize. I just... It's fine. My brain is so broken. <laughs> um, it, it's mostly fun. Um, except for last night when I was finishing up my story. And by the end, I just had to go scream into a pillow. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, is, yeah. <laughs> is that is that because of the, the topic or because it was hard to research or? Uh, mostly because of the topic. And okay. I kept like looking up photos to get an idea of it. And um, I'm just going to. OK, well, let me just start this off by saying like this is one of the most like fucked up places. I mean, it's not like I mean, it's not that fucked up, but it's terrifying to look at. And I was not mentally prepared for the photos that I kept looking at for some reason. So I just had to go scream into a pillow for a while. I feel like I'm just going to like put a trigger. I, I know we don't use trigger warnings that often, but I feel like I'm just going to put a trigger warning on this episode. Like there's um some stuff about bodies. Mm-hmm. Um, there's some stuff about death. Mm-hmm. Um, it's going to get gross real quick. This is fun. Um, so 
and I know I'm doing this a few weeks early, but happy Mummy's Day, everybody. Because Mother's Day. Don't give me that look. I'm trying to craft the joke. <laughs> because it's Mother's Day, but my mother is dead, and I also found her dead body. Oh, no. <laughs> so, like... <laughs> I just, like, the pun occurred to me as I was closing my document yesterday, and I was like, maybe I should just save this for a couple weeks. But you know what? I'm just going to get the bad joke out I of the just, way. I <laughs> just... Am I am I gonna be triggered this episode? No, it's not really about mothers. I okay, just wanted it to was put just a, the mummy's day. I just wanted okay. to put a pun. I'm only in it. ever gonna refer to it as Happy Mummy's Day now because my mother. <laughs> oh, that's so good! I can't wait to use this at work. Everybody's gonna hate me. None of them are comfortable when I make dead mom jokes, except for the one other person with a dead mom, and he's like, "Fuck yeah, I get it." And like he just and he's one of my three bosses. Um, and so like he totally understands the humor, but nobody else gets it. So I'm going to be like, hey, it's Happy Mommy's Day. Good for me and you. I just have a really fucked up sense of humor, I guess. Yeah, And to the person with the dead mother, <laughs> yeah, know. you know, like, come on, Emily. Where are we going? <laughs> Can't quit on me now. Where are we going? So today we're going to the Capuchin Catacombs. I love catacombs. Yes. Every time we do catacombs, there's always a trigger warning for like body decay. <laughs> yes. Um, so this the Capuchin? is Capuchin. Capuchin. And it's not to be confused with Rome's Capuchin Crypt. This is the Capuchin catacombs that are a little further south in Palermo, Sicily, Italy. Isn't Capuchin a monkey? I, I don't know. It says Capuchin monkeys when I Googled Capuchin. C-A-P-U-C-H-I-N. That's literally how you spell the monkey. Oh, interesting. But we're not talking about monkeys today. We're talking about Capuchin catacombs. Yep. The ones in Palermo, Sicily. Okay. And sometimes they're referred to as the Palermo catacombs, but it's not super common. Okay. So I'll just say it again. Don't look at photos unless you're ready to like... Not me opening up photos right now. <laughs> it's, it's, it gets gross real quick. I just want to know what But it's so interesting. Okay. Oh, God. That did not take long. <laughs> Holy shit. She wasn't kidding. <laughs> Yep. So the Capuchin Catacombs, um, they have an almost perfect score on TripAdvisor, and they're the must-see for people who are into the macabre tourist attractions. Um, You can go on an hour-long tour that explains the history of the catacombs and how it became home to 8,000 bodies, including 1,252 mummies, many of which have been styled and posed for your viewing pleasure. Okay. That makes sense. I was like, why do some of these clothes look like they're from, like, now? And it's also home to the girl who's considered the world's most beautiful mummy. What? <laughs> what a flex. Like, not, o- not only was I probably a looker in my real life, but I'm also the prettiest mummy. Right. It's for all times. So- America's Next Top Mummy <laughs> coming to ABC near you. Got a smash. No, I, I want to see the world's prettiest mummy. What makes her so pretty? It's not this guy. No, he's... <laughs> he's been through some stuff. He's seen some shit. <laughs> so our story starts in the 1500s. Um, the Capuchin catacombs of Plermo were originally just a simple cemetery um, in which the monks of the monastery would bury each other. So the friars of the Church of Santa Maria della Pace, which is Italian for Lady of the Peace. I'm not even going to attempt to do an accent because yeah, that's not who I feel like today. For the best. <laughs> Um, so they created the cemetery in which they put their brothers. They didn't have like individual graves. They just had kind of a big mass pit, um, which was also described as a tank. But I'm not quite sure on the logistics of that. But as the community of Plermo grew by the late 1500s, the burial pit ran out of room. And so they had to build an even larger cemetery. So they began their, they began their exca- ex- excavation. 
excavation. Excavation. Why my brain just crashed. I don't know. (laughs) They began their excavations in 1597 behind the main altar. Um, Had some pre-existing caves down there that they were just able to be like, oh, this is our catacomb now. And then within two years, they were able to start moving the bodies into their new resting places. But when they started moving the bodies... They found something that sparked their interest. 45 of the bodies still looked great. They had been naturally mummified and their faces, and they were hardly decomposed and that you could still recognize who they were by their faces. That's horrifying. Yeah. I don't like that. See, a normal reaction would be, that's horrifying. Well, okay. (laughs) As somebody who has experienced coming across a person that I knew and loved who was no longer alive, there is something inherently missing when they are a corpse as opposed to a person. Yeah. And I feel this way about open caskets, too, because she had an open casket funeral. And, like, first of all, the the chances of a funeral director or, like, somebody who puts makeup on bodies is the, the chances of that person listening to this podcast are so slim. But for the love of fucking God, put makeup on their hands. Ooh, I didn't, I've never thought about that. Yeah, because you know how, like, they're usually, like, they fold the arms up on the torso and they're holding, like, flowers or something? Mm -hmm. So the hands are visible. You know what happens when you don't put makeup on the hands? Oh, no. They're green. Ew. Yeah. Um, So just in case somebody with that job or who wants that job listens to this podcast, for the love of fucking God, put makeup on the hands. Um, But also, there's something inherently missing from a body that was a person you knew. Um... I would be horrified if I like came across like a mummified version of uh, a former loved one because it's awful. Like, mm-hmm. just, no, I why are do they display them? Of course they of course, display them. Of course, the now fucking weird. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's um, like they saw these forty five mummies and they're like awesome this is a miracle the natural mummification process it was mainly due to the dehydration of the body so basically once you take was there a lot of salt in the ground um i think it's more because they had them in kind of like this pit Mm -hmm. it's i don't know um and i guess there's also something where they took out a lot of the insides there's less moisture got it okay um so So the skin kind of calcifies over time and gets hard and stuck Mm -hmm. so but they didn't quite understand this yet, so they thought this mummification was an act of God. So instead of reburying the people, they decided to display them in these little, like, alcoves that are carved out into the walls. So they lined the first corridor into the new catacombs, just surrounded by purring cats. Oliver's snoring so loud. I'm so sorry. I can't believe I can hear her snoring from across the room. It's not even purring at this point. It's just snoring. <laughs> she snores like a chainsaw. This is so funny. Okay, so they lined the, the the first line of alcoves of bodies is these 45, and they're all former friars or monks. Yep. Okay. So they just... I just... Isn't there supposed to... Forgive me for not knowing things about religion. Isn't there supposed to be some, like sin against like desecrating a body or like mutilating a body or something like that like would this not so. fall under that I, like you're manipulating and posing a body of somebody who was devout in their faith and that feels more disrespectful like why would that be an act of god why would the act of god not be oh he has allowed their bodies to remain mostly intact as a way to honor their sacrifice to the Lord in their life, like dedicating their whole life to him. Like, why would the response be, let's 
load them up. Let's display it. Like, is it, this is this the new advertisement campaign? Like, they're going to send out leaflets to the neighborhood kids. Like, do you want your body to live forever? It's come be a monk. <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. Um, especially in like the 1500s, they're just like cool. I mean, I guess they didn't really have much else for entertainment. <laughs> They're like, listen, I have never walked more than five miles away from the, where I was born. <laughs> it's like when Mary and Pippin are going out of the Shire in Lord of the Rings. And they're like, if I, or no, no, it's um, Samwise. And he's like, if I take one more step, it will be the furthest I've ever been from home. And then Mary and Pippin are just like, la di da di da we pass this point all the time. And it's like, Sam, fucking go on vacation sometimes, <laughs> dude. Like, Poor I feel Sam. like these little friar people, like, you've never been more than five miles from your house. I need you to, like, go to the beach. <laughs> Come on. Yep. So I'm just going to shame the shit out of these decision makers. That's fine. It gives, it gives us the cool catacombs because I would like to go through and look at them. But like being in the moment and making that decision seems so absurd to I, me. I, was, I just want to know the thought process. And it's like people they knew. Right. Like if it's strangers, I get it. Brothers, if like, it's strangers, I get it. You know, like you're less emotionally attached. Like you still want to be respectful, but you're like, oh, well, I can make art out of your body. Stuff like that. But y'all won't find me fucking with dead bodies of people I know. That's uh, that sounds like a great way to get haunted. Mm-mm. Mm-mm-mm. Bad karma for seven generations, at least. <laughs> The body that was first housed in the newly created catacomb was that of Friar Silvesto D'Agrubio. He was still exposed in a simple brown robe and headdress and was clutching a sign commemorating the event that he was found on 16th of October, 1599. What's his name? Uh, Silvestro D'Agrubio. So not only did they display his body, they gave him a little. (laughs) I was found on 16th of October. I wonder how they just, like, found them. <laughs> like, did they go down there to bury another body? And then they were like, oh, shit, these bodies actually look pretty cool. Because um, they were moving them to the new catacombs. Got it. Okay. I was going to Google it. Where is it? I Googled the most beautiful mummy in the world, and they're not lying. Oh, there he is with this little sign. <laughs> <laughs> His face is... That face is one they were like, oh, that looks great. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, I'm sorry. You must have been a, a funny-looking man in your real life. If they're like, oh, yeah, that's him. That, that's Sylvie. Oh, poor Sylvie. That's Gubs. It's Gibbios. Gibbies. Gibbs, for short. That's why I had to go be a friar, because he was just... Nothing else going for He scared the neighborhood children. <laughs> this is a really... Yeah. A, she's a mummy. Yeah, we'll get to her. I'm waiting patiently. <laughs> But because this was so exciting to the friars and this decided this was a great way to honor their brothers, um, inspired by the natural mummies they found, they decided to set to work perfecting their own mummification process for doing this in the future. Yay. So how they did it, because they did come up with a process. So shortly after death, they would place bodies in a preparation room called a colitate. A colatoio. It's C O L A T O I O. Um, I don't know how to pronounce that in Italian. C O L A T O I O. Colatoio. 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 What does that mean? It was a preparation room where they put inside the catacombs where they put the bodies to get them ready for their okay. mummification. Um, so in this room, they removed the internal organs and in the place put in straw or bay leaves. And then the bodies would be dehydrated on racks of ceramic pipes in the catacombs. And because um, this room had very, very high 
dry air and low humidity, they would be left there for up to a year to complete the process. Mm-hmm. And then after they were exposed to um, regular air, they would be washed with vinegar, dressed in an outfit of their choosing, and then placed in the wall. Wait, so I get to choose what my forever outfit is in the catacombs yes. before I die. That's pretty fucking cool. <laughs> the friars were usually preserved with their everyday clothing, but sometimes um, they had the ropes that they had to wear and penis. But ultimately, if they were able to do so before they died the deceased got to choose their death outfit. That's how cool. Because, uh, I mean, like, I think about that every day. Like, and, like if I die today, this is my ghost outfit. But if you I never choose wanna your wear ghost a work outfit, outfit again. Before, <laughs> oh, I've literally never thought about what my ghost outfit's going to be, and now I'm terrified to die in my work uniform. <laughs> just forever. The ghost I of- can never go anywhere in sweatpants again, Emily. That's what you've just done to me. Because I will not let my ghost outfit be sweatpants. Just put it in your will. This is what my ghost outfit will be. I'm going to get a will. <laughs> Start there. Well, can I put it on a post-it note on my... <laughs> I'm going to sign it. It's going to be great. So, yeah. So, they let people choose their ghost outfits. And um, initially, the catacombs were intended only for the deceased friars. However, because this place was starting to become a tourist attraction, other people wanted in on the fun. Mm-hmm. So, from the 17th to the 19th century, thousands of people, especially wealthy citizens of Palermo, um, rich celebrities in the area, could also get burial in the catacombs. The only catch was they had to pay a steep price to get the full mummification process. How steep? I couldn't find it exactly. It's difficult to say how mm-hmm. much. Um but that did vary depending on their wealth and their social status. Got it. I imagine um, the richer you are, the more it costs. Yep. And then the more money you gave, the higher quality mummy you got. Um, I like that it's the higher quality mummy you got. <laughs> like you're being presented. But no, it's you. <laughs> it's me. I am paying for me to become the mummy. Can I pay to, like, gift my mummified body back to my family? That would be horrifying, wouldn't it? That would be, but... <laughs> like, imagine somebody... Like, we're just going to go into the theoreticals for a second. Imagine someone you know dies. Like, somebody close in your family dies or, like, your spouse or something. Um, which, horrible. Don't think about it too hard. But, so, they die, and then you have a memorial service. You have what you think is a burial or a cremation or whatever. And then, like, in 12 to 18 months... A big-ass package is delivered to your house. (laughs) You're like, I didn't order a dresser. What the fuck is in here? And you open it up and boom, mummified ex-partner or sibling or parent or whatever. (laughs) Somebody needs to start that service because that would be like a traumatizing yet hilarious prank to pull on people you hate. I've just been, send my mummified corpse to my enemy. Yes. I've been rewatching Scrubs, which I forgot what a great show that I love was. Scrubs. But he had, a lot of it did not age well, but I love it. I think it's, I don't know, I, that's all pretty much all I've been watching lately. But they have their dead dog, Rowdy, that yeah. hangs out. And then I just watched an episode the other day where they're like, JD, have you ever thought about what you do when you die? And he goes, oh, I already have it planned out. And then it clips to the future where he's stuffed next to Rowdy. And Carla's like, Turk, do not bring that into the bedroom again. Carla's the <laughs> only reasonable person. Like, Elliot's not a reasonable person either. Elliot's kind of all I over the place, like too. I feel like I became Elliot in my... And it's like, the more I watch it, and now at work, I just like start yelling, like, frick! And I'm just like, oh, no, I'm in my Elliot era. That's really funny. <laughs> I think Carla is the best Scrubs character. As far as, like, in real life, who would you actually want to be oh. your healthcare provider? Yes. <laughs> Aries is not quite sleeping, but she's resting, and she's got her paw, like gripping this cone around her neck and it's very sweet gotta hold her little cone i will take sixteen thousand pictures of aries every time i'm here (laughs) and i will regret not a single one of them okay we can continue 
Oliver, you're being so loud. She was snoring. Now she's taking a bath. Mm-hmm. She's just most comfortable when we're talking about disturbing topics. Yeah. But she's not comfortable enough to let me pet her. Traitor. So the mummification process by the monks was um, very expensive and it was reserved. (coughs) You might need to mummify you. Sorry, um, my throat clogged up at the thought of wealthy and influential members of society. Um, In some cases, the families would also pay large sums of money to have their deceased loved ones mummified and displayed in the catacombs as a way of honoring their memory and legacy. Um, in addition to the cost, families also had to pay for the display um, where the catacombs would house the mummies. Um, they would often be elaborately decorated and could get quite expensive to decorate as well. And they were all maintained through these donations. But if donations from these relatives stopped, the body would be taken out of its little alcove and then placed in a more general area. Wait, so you can't just like make like, I would like to make a one-time payment to reserve this alcove and this outfit. It's your family has to pay for the rest of eternity for you to stay in that alcove. Yeah. Uh, do they rotate them now? That would be really funny. I don't know if they do it now. But Probably not because they don't want the bones, <laughs> the mummies, the mummified bones, whatever, to deteriorate by interacting with them too much. But that would be really fucking funny. It's like, oh, well, 16 generations ago, your papa really wanted to be buried in this specific alcove. So you got to write us a check. So I'm going to need you to send me some money. Otherwise, your papa is going to get kicked to the back of the line. Just you know cash what I mean? at me for papa, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Vimo, cash app, PayPal, certain illicit uh, uh, natural plants. <laughs> Would you be willing to make a trade for some sourdough, sir? <laughs> I have some I, starter I can share. I feel like I just barter everything for sourdough now if I'm able to. <laughs> I mean, I feel like that is the way to go. And especially if you've gotten so good at it and you do like the little like artsy painting on it, yes. which I don't understand how. How does it come out so light? How is it not getting like burnt? Because um, I use a white food gel and then I just mix the colors with it. But the white food gel is so thick it makes it like a painty texture. Does it have a weird flavor or texture? No, it just... It breaks off just like bread? Yeah. It Sometimes doesn't. it doesn't dry all the way, so it's still like a little wet, but I mean, it doesn't taste like anything. It's just you, food coloring. You really need like a cottage where you can just bake bread all day. Oh my God. There's a song called Cottagecore by, I think their name is Eris, and I'm going to send it to you because I feel like you would really get some enjoyment out of it. I just want to live in my little witch's cottage and I want to sell bread and coffee. That's the dream. Cottagecore by Eris. I'm going to send it to you now. Um, one of the opening lyrics is, I want to move to the country, do nothing but drink wine and bake bread. And I just thought that was very you. Save that for later. One of my friends sent me a TikTok the other day. It was like, listen, I'm not poor. It's recession core. I'm not baking bread because it's $14 a loaf. I'm doing it because it's trendy. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, bread is so freaking expensive <laughs> for no reason. Where was I? So as long as the contributions continued, the body could remain in its proper place. But if relatives stopped sending money, the body would be put aside on a shelf until payments resumed. Oh, shit. Not even on display. I I got, saw both that they would put it in a different location and that they'd put it on a shelf. So I think it just depended well, on the, the shelf case also, by case like, yeah, basis. the shelf might still be visible from like, the, and also I guess at this point, like the alcoves are really the cream of the crop where you want to be displayed. Mm-hmm. You want to be in one of these like main hallways. I can't, 
I don't give a shit what happens to my body when I'm dead. Like, ideally, I want to be a tree. Ooh, yes. Like, I want me and all of my friends to all have our bodies dissolved into mulch and then okay. used to plant trees. And then we have a haunted forest where me and my friends hang out for the rest of eternity. I can get behind that. Right? And then also spooky forest for people to go do spooky witchy things in. Ooh. Like, hell yeah, witches can draw upon the force of our spirits for yes. the whatever equinox. Like, I would love to assist you with that. That would be great. Spooky forest. Oh, my God. Sign up now. I can be a forest ghost. And you, everybody can pick the kind of tree they want to be as long as it does well in that bioenvironment. And it's not, like, ecologically disastrous for surrounding wildlife. I swear to God, if one of you, like, starts a forest fire with your gender reveal and burns me down, I will, like, taunt your shit. <laughs> so, what's if that happens, here's a free idea for a YA novel. There is a spooky forest that has come from bodies being mulched, bodies being tumbled with mulch until they create very nutritious fertilizer, because that's what happens. Um, and a forest has grown over the next 60 years. And then some fucking idiot has a gender reveal party and burns the forest down. And then that baby of that gender reveal party ends up being a non-binary firefighter. I and call dibs. I and, call dibs. And their life's <laughs> mission is to eradicate gender parties. Oh, my God. Gender reveal parties. And it's like, you really thought you fucking did something with your shitty ass gender reveal. You thought you had a boy psych. It could use some tweaking, but there's the idea. I'm, we've gone very far from catacombs now. We're a non-binary firefighter, badass superhero person. I want to read that story. I also really want to read the story where vampire, there's like human, humanity gets a plague and it's killing us. And vampires are the one to step up and do the research to give us a cure for the plague. But they don't actually give a shit about us, but their food source is dwindling, and so they're worried about their survival. That is also a book I want to read, because there's so many vampire novels, but there's really not a lot of, like, vampires are saving humanity because <laughs> they're losing their food source kind of novels. I've never been, like, super big on vampires, but I will read anything werewolves. Werewolves are my creature. Really? You like I also werewolves? feel like I've, I mean, I've tried to, been trying to, like, get back into writing lately, so I feel like my goal is to one day have my high fantasy werewolf novel. Please do. I would like to have a single cameo. Um, if you could make me like an all-powerful fae being and then never mention me again. Love it. Thank you. Thank you for coming to my proposal. Um, back to catacombs where our bodies where, where bodies go after they're dead. Yep. So speaking of natural mummification, um, that was not the only method that they employed. Um, so they also, in, in conjunction with the other way they meant that's where it's like con uh, with the other that movies the that they were making they um during periods of epidemics they also had to use arsenic because they were a little low on their regular supplies because there's just more people but were the, what were they using arsenic for to for the mummification process yep okay um the, one of the main differences that they noticed is it did tend to give people more like rose colored faces mm -hmm. so it made people look a little bit weird but you know we're experimenting here i guess yeah Weirdly, a lot if, of science is now coming out of this place now, so... <laughs> I wonder if... Like, right now? Yeah. Like, in real life right now, a lot of science is coming from there? That's cool. I wonder if having, like, the red faces would make them look more human, because humans <laughs> have, like, pinky flesh, um, as opposed to, like, the colors drained yeah. from you when you were a mummified I was body. trying to find, like, an example, but I couldn't, because I'm thinking, you know, like, I'm out in the sun for two seconds, I'm hot pink, but then I'm also, like, thinking of someone, like, the color of my microphone, just, like... 
demon colored. That would be hilarious, actually. Him from Powerpuff Girls vibes. Him from Powerpuff Girls is the goal. I will go wash a car at my job in the summer. It has happened before where I went out to wash one car. I'm sitting in the car going through the car wash. And then I get out of the car to wipe it down. And then I park the car and I walk back inside. And three separate people were like, Cassie, are you okay? (laughs) Cassie, do you need to sit down? Cassie, are you feeling all right? I'm just white. (laughs) I'm... The air is too spicy. I, it, I'm just pale. All of the blood in my body, you can see it. If I'm a, I'm not even sunburnt. It's just hot outside. And the blood is rushing. Like, I, I'm just pale, dudes. I'm fine. Actually, you know what? No, I'm not fine. It's summer, and I'm too pale for this. I'm never going to wash another car again. Um, that doesn't fly. But it's just like, damn. Like, give me some... Like, just let me have my red face. It'd be like that sometimes, yo. Yep. Let, let him have his red face with this fucking arsenic. It'd be like that sometimes. <laughs> right, Aries? She ignored me, so that means she's she agrees. Purring. She's so stinking cute. Okay, I'm sorry. They use arsenic instead, and they realized it made it a little bit more red. Yep. Um, but still, even though mummies were coming out a little bit weird every once in a while, the mummification became a status symbol and a way to preserve status and dignity even in death. Um, with the possibility of the families of the deceased coming to visit... Um, not just ordinary graves, but could actually go see your loved no, one. No, no, no. I'm out. I Absolutely not. Yep. Hard pass. No, thank you. <laughs> so in 1871, Brother Ricardo was the last friar who was taken into the catacombs. And then in 1880, the Health Office of Palermo issued a decree that prohibited the display of newly deceased bodies in the catacombs, citing concerns over public health and safety. And the result of this was that the catacombs got semi-closed at the time. Why would a new... But, like, new bodies, they, it takes a year to mummify them. Yeah. So, so they're not a new body by then. Yeah, I don't... I don't know. That's the a eight, silly rule. 1800s were wild. Bureaucracy! <laughs> Um, So the decree marked a significant change in the way that the catacombs were used and maintained. Um, Prior to this time, the monks had continued to accept and mummify bodies for display, um, but they decided they weren't going to do that anymore. But it was also still starting to become a popular tourist attraction because everyone wants to come see the bodies. But after this decree, even though they were just used to house bodies and for people to come see, there were a few exceptions. So the first one was in 1911, Giovanni... Paternity was an Italian lawyer and politician who served as vice counsel of the United States in Palermo, Sicily during the late 19th and 20th centuries. Mm-hmm. He was born in Palermo in 1852 and studied law at the University of Palermo before entering politics. Um, he died in 1911 at age 15, at age 59. Um, and was buried in the catacombs. His body was mummified and got placed in a niche along other prominent members of Sicilian society, which is now still one of their main little attractions. I don't want to do that. You don't want to go see old politicians that lived hundreds of years ago? I don't understand being the politician from hundreds of years ago and being like, I'm important enough that I want my body mummified and presented to the world so they can learn about me. Like, I know in reality, they're probably just, like, all standing there looking somber. But every time I see that, you know, he's placed in a room with the other tie members of politics. I just, just like, imagine, crabs like, um, you know that painting with the dogs, like, playing poker? Playing poker? Yeah! <laughs> they're all shooting at a fucking, like, rolling dice at a fucking crabs table or just playing poker. And they're like, God damn it, Julio Roberto, Sicilian man. 
You, you got me now <laughs> with your royal flush. And the second one. I don't know who, poker terms. I don't know either. <laughs> so the second um, mummy who was placed here after they weren't supposed to anymore is the world's most beautiful mummy. Her name was Rosalia Lombardo. Um, she died in 1920, just before her second birthday. Um, she died of pneumonia. Um, her father was a soldier who died in World War One, and her mother um, was just absolutely devastated by this, so she turned to the embalmer to help preserve her body, um, which is why she got special exception to be placed in here. Um, so he used a special, conti- a special technique called arterial embalming to preserve her body, which he injected her with a mixture of formalin, zinc salts, and chemicals into her arteries that halted the process of decay. Mm-hmm. Um, it was so highly effective that she still appears almost lifelike to this day. Can confirm. Seen pictures. Yeah. Um, well, maybe put one on the Instagram. It's a little... Uh, <laughs> I probably wouldn't. Um, I'll... Tell you what to Google on the Instagram. Her name was uh, Rosalia Lombardo. Um, she was eventually placed in the Capuchin catacombs, and she is one of the most well-known mummies of all time. Um, her mummified body is still a po- very popular attraction. And then the last guy um, was Giovanni Licarda Bacunia, um, who was the Count of Isnello, and he was placed in there in 1939. And that was the last body to be placed there? Yep. So if I wonder why they placed bodies there so recently. Like, the exception for the girl being placed in there was that... Um, her father was a World War One veteran, and so when she... I don't know if he came back from the war. So when she died, the mom went to the embalmer. And, and then they made the exception to put her in the catacombs. Yeah. So even for the mom... I guess I'm just confused, like... If the mom wanted her daughter to be embalmed, wouldn't the mom want her daughter to stay closer, or did she live near there? I think they lived close by. Got she it. seemed so she to know the embalmer, visit, I think. Got it, so she could go visit her daughter whenever. Yeah. And they just had to get approval for her daughter to be added to the catacombs. Mm-hmm. Well, what would she have done if they didn't approve that? Would she just have got her daughter embalmed and just, like, had her in a room in her house? I don't know. That seems unhealthy. Yeah. Not, like, physically, but mentally. Yeah, it's a little, um, I don't know. These are the questions that will haunt me. Yeah, I, I'm not sure. Um, so the halls where the bodies are lined, they are divided into different categories of people. So you have your monks, your professionals, your men, your children, your women, and your virgins. There's <laughs> <laughs> a room for virgins. And some are set in poses. For example, there's one scene with two children sitting together in a rocking chair. Um, and then there's some coffins that are just accessible to families so that on certain days the families could all join hands in prayer because that's how the bodies got posed. And, Somebody um, somewhere is holding hands with a corpse on a holiday? I don't, I'm hoping they don't do it anymore. That's so weird. But there, there was some that were posed so that their families could go pray with them. Um, and people must have had just like wild like constitution back then. Oh my god. Like, I could never. I, yeah. I'm weak. Yeah. I'm soft. I'm a goy boy. Same. Um, there are others that are seated in chairs and on benches. Sometimes they're holding objects from their lives, like books or rosaries. And there are also some mummies that are displayed in family groups, such as they would put parents and children and siblings together. So, um, it's, it's a pretty weird place to look around. <laughs> so, my first question that came to my brain 
when they you said they put families and mothers, daughters, siblings together is. I hope they didn't all die at the same time. <laughs> that, that's exactly where my brain went. I was like, okay, so if they all did, died at the same time, then all the siblings have the correct age gap. But what happens if, like, the the oldest sibling died tragically at age 15, right? And then the middle sibling made it to age 33 and then died. And then the youngest sibling had the longest life, and they died at, like, 65 or something. And the parents so, were, like, in their 30s. Right. So now is the youngest sibling the oldest sibling? The oldest sibling would be the youngest sibling because they never, they died soonest. They had the shortest lifespan. The middle sibling would stay the middle sibling because they had the middle lifespan because middle child syndrome is irremovable. Um, And then the youngest sibling would have morphed into the oldest sibling because they lived the most years. My brain hurts. (laughs) You're welcome. (laughs) I'm trying to do the math in my head and I'm just like, I don't think there's an answer. (laughs) I think I'm right. I think I'm right. But, like, also it would be weird because it's, like, if you're, like, oh, look at all these mummies. Like, look at this person who is mummified at the age of 63. She clearly was the matriarch of this group of five. And, like, that's the the youngest sibling. And then, like, imagine, like, does your ghost stay the same age as when you die? Like, can you imagine how weird that dynamic is in the afterlife? Right? Like, they would, like, the, the, the oldest sibling that died at 16 would be, like, I'm older than you. And the youngest sibling that made it to age 62 was, like, fuck that. <laughs> you know? The middle kid's, like, let's just stop fighting, please. Mom and dad, pay attention to me. <laughs> Dude, it hits you hard as a middle child. <laughs> Listen. Listen, you came in with the, the mummy's day jokes. <laughs> I'm coming in with the middle kid jokes, okay? This is revenge. <laughs> Forever middle child throughout all eternity. I am the youngest child throughout all of eternity. <laughs> so even though this place is horrifying, there's actually some pretty awesome things that are coming out of it today. So the Sicily Mummy Project was started in 2007 to create, to um, to study the mummies and to create profiles on the people who are mummified. Um, it's now a collaboration between the University of Palermo and the University of Zurich. Um, the goal is to use modern sci- scientific techniques to study the mummies in the catacombs in order to gain a better understanding of their preservation and to learn about the people who are mummified, how they are mummified, and what their lives were like. Mm-hmm. Um, so the project includes a range of disciplines. They use radiology. They study their genetics. They use microbiology to, like, get in there. Um, one of the primary goals was to develop a non-invasive method for studying mummies. So in the past, researchers would have to physically remove samples from different parts of the mummies to study them, um, which could damage them. Um, but because they had some... I don't mum- think they'll mind. Yeah, right. <laughs> They're dead. But because Their they kids had, are probably dead. They Their had so many mummies here to work with. Yeah. Um, they were able to develop non-invasive techniques as well as um, a way to use CT scans to create a genetic analysis of the sample set. That's pretty cool. Yep. Science is wild. And then um, one of the things that they found was that researchers were able to determine that many of the mummies that were placed here actually probably would have died from natural causes anyway if they didn't die, you know, from like general 1500s wild and because a lot of them actually ended up having tuberculosis and syphilis and then actually some of the people they found were actually members of the local aristocracy but not everyone got you know a special place even if they were apparently rich and famous in their life they still just got kind of thrown in with the plebs i guess so but i guess the the fact that they were mummified at all is like a status symbol right I guess like so. you're like normal commu- commoners i was gonna say commies but that's a <laughs> that gives a different connotation the normal common folk 
typically don't receive the mummification, right? Because it would have to be families with money. I guess so. I want to know yeah. what the poor people were doing back then. Throwing them in pits. Dying, having babies, yeah. dying. Throwing them in pits. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> like, all right, oh, Timmy, you pit. broke your leg. You got to go out into the forest. and <laughs> <laughs> A broken leg, can't work, get out of my house. Um, what is it, like the sequel to, uh, um, what was that book? Um, Am I going to know Giver? it? The Giver? Did you ever read or watch The Giver? No. Oh. Well... It's kind of like a weird dystopian sci-fi about like okay. this child who can like read memories. Oh, cool. Um, but the second one is like very, very different. So it's like another take on how society could have like, but basically, so we go from like this weird sci-fi. So now we're following a girl in like a really like overcrowded village. But one weird. of the things is, is that, um, if something happens to you or you die, you have to go out into the field of monsters and wait there to get eaten. Ew, rude. <laughs> and, um, that's the main, not very nice. The main character is disabled, so the Jeez, whole yeah, like the whole first part is like defending her right to stay alive, and like I please don't make me go sit out in this field of monsters. That's just what I'm imagining. Poor people did. Oh my god, <laughs> they're like, please let me live, sir. Let me live. I should reread the Giver books. Those were wild. I have not been able to read in a long time. I am struggling with the whole attention thing. Me too. Um, I've been rereading the Narnia books. I'm starting the fourth one now, so I'm about Mm -hmm. halfway through. But then it's like the little app I use says, oh, here's a children's book that takes on average three hours for a child to read. And I'm like, okay, it took me a week, so shut the fuck up. So shut the fuck up. (laughs) It's pretty good. Yeah, the last book I read, it was an audio book. I listened to it, and it was Spare by Prince Harry. Audiobooks I can usually get through because, I mean, I already listen to so many podcasts. Yeah. So audiobooks, like, I listen to, like, the whole, hung, read, listen to the whole first Hunger Games trilogy a few months ago. Mm-hmm. But now I'm like, I need to, like, read, read. I have so many yeah. books. Well, the last thing I read, read was Jeanette McCurdy's memoir, I'm Glad My Mom Died. I still want to read that. It's really good. Do you want to borrow it? Will you give it back to me before we move? Yes. When you, you open it, I'm not going to borrow it. I will find a way to download it because I don't know if I can finish before I move. Because right now, I, I'm really into my Narnia books. It will take you three days to read. It's you can't put it down. As soon as I started reading it, I was like, I live here on the couch. It's really, really good. Nice. Yeah. Um, also, you didn't like a ballad of Songbird and Snakes. Um, I. We're gonna be okay. off topic for well, a bit. Well, so, so I don't think I. I never like read it. Read it. I listened to the audiobook and I was kind of bored i don't know if it was so much the book or the way it was presented okay because i felt like the audiobook itself was just really dry and boring okay and it was also voiced by um what the actor's name he voiced hans and frozen okay but he was also the really sarcastic boyfriend and crazy ex-girlfriend got so it so that is all i pictured yeah, while okay. he's like hi i'm lucy and <laughs> got it so you're gonna need to give it another shot I, I, I have the book i need to just like read it read it instead of trying with that stupid audiobook yeah so the movie looks awesome the most unsettling part about a ballad of songbirds and snakes is you find yourself agreeing with him oh no and like I'm reading the book and I'm like, yeah, I can see why you think this, or I can see why you think this is the correct course of action. And like, that was what my brain was thinking as I'm reading the book. And I stepped out of the book world for a second. And I was like, no, no, I can't see why that's the correct course. What the fuck? Like, I just, my brain really started being like, yeah, well, like 
this makes sense because of this, so he's going to do this, and that makes sense. No, it doesn't make sense. It's highly unethical. It's morally ambiguous, and he's likely going to cause harm and damage to other people, and he is just a plague upon the people around him. And yet, like, he, like she does such a good job of getting you into his head where he is oh, able no. to justify his, his actions and he 100% believes in what he's doing and you start to believe it too until you take that step back. It was fucking wild, dude. I was like, I don't like that this book is making me agree with him <laughs> because I, I don't. I don't. Does it make don't. him, when you read that and then go back into the original series, does it make you see him different? Um, so I did not reread the original series after I read about A Songbird and Snakes. I think I'm going to reread all of it before the audiobooks the are narrated by Tatiana Maslany, and she did an awesome job. She did? Okay. So but, I think, but she's also, like, awesome. <laughs> I think I'll do, I think I'll reread about A Songbird and Snakes and then listen to the audiobooks of the Hunger Games books and then see how it makes me feel. But, like, it's just... I, if the audiobook is that bad, reading it is going to give you a much different experience. Because I remember putting that book down, and I was like, "This was a brain fuck." Like I, like I always wanted there to be a book where you read from the point of view of the villain, but you think he's the protagonist, and at the end of the book, you realize he's the villain. And you kind of get that with Songbird and Snakes. Like you kind of know he's bad the whole time, but he's really, really good at convincing you he's right. Anyway, this is my pitch for you to go read Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes in theater soon. Bye. Maybe that's what I will do after I finish Narnia. That's good. I'm very excited. Oh, shit. We're still recording a podcast. We are still did recording a podcast. Did I close my notes? I hope not. <laughs> we did get a little off track. Oh, that's fine. I was just on my closing point. <laughs> oh, okay. I was, just, I was like, I opened it up. I'm like, oh, wait, I'm at the conclusion already. <laughs> yeah, my bad, my bad. Everything gets Like, I just put my I'm phone involved. down. I was like, wait a second. I was using that for something. <laughs> So if you were to visit today, visitors of the catacombs will typically enter through the small door near the monastery and descend down a winding staircase to the crypts. And once inside, you're free to explore the various chambers and the corridors and the catacombs. You, can you get to just explore? There's not even a tour guide? I, like, I'm so confused because, well, their official website um, does, like, almost no info on it. And TripAdvisor says... Yes, you can go, but if you want the tour, this is the price. So I don't know if there's like an actual mission price to just go in and explore mm -hmm. because TripAdvisor only tells me the price of the tour and the website doesn't tell me any prices. At I all. want to explore catacombs without a tour guide so bad. I know it would be dangerous, but I, I really want to find the room in the Parisian catacombs where there's like the theater and the bar. God, that's still... Something about that is just so unsettling to I me. I want to find it so I bad. don't understand why that is... Like, of all the unsettling things in the Paris catacombs, I don't understand why that's a near the top the of my a, list. a movie theater in there is really what got you? Yeah, and what... Did they have, like, a slow cooker of, like, short ribs or something? It was a slow cooker that they were making couscous with, I think. Oh, okay. That's very different from short ribs. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Um... <laughs> So you can go down these chambers um, of these various catacombs with the mummified bodies. They're all in various different states of preservation and had different techniques used on them. Um, so you'll get to see and read about some interesting history and culture of Sicily, especially back in like the 17th and 19th centuries. Um, and they do now have information about the people who lived and died there. Um, and just offer a unique opportunity to see the effects of mummification. Um, if you do do the tour, it is currently 32.48 USD. So not bad at all. For, and that's for an hour long history tour. So um, I don't know if I would go. I would go. 
I feel like. Are you afraid of bodies? You went to the bone church. I know. I like, I feel like I should go just to see it once. Um, but I was also really, really excited to go to the bone church. And as soon as I got there, I was like, oh, okay, yeah. um, can we go now? You also had, yeah, you had a very overwhelming sense of like, ew. Um, like, but it, I feel like I would want to see it at least once in my life. Yeah. I did not have the feeling of ick when I was in the catacombs. I thought it was the coolest thing I'd ever seen. And then it realized that then I, then it hit me like in it, like a, like a wave crashed into my body with the realization that every single skull that I was looking into the eyes was once a person who could have looked back at me. Yeah. And I was like, that's a lot of people's stories that are just down here forever. And it really just reminded me that nothing is permanent. Um, and you go on life. Yep. Yeah. So it weirdly made me feel hopeful. And I was like, we're all going to die anyway. So I might as well have fun while I'm here. Interesting. Yeah. And maybe I'll end up in a cool, spooky tourist location where I can help freak people out and give them existential crises for the rest of my life. Or the dream is for spooky forest where witches can pull on our power. Spooky forest. I'm serious. I want to do the spooky forest with all my friends. Yes. And like maybe like in the what middle of the spooky, our spooky forest. I think we can workshop some names. Um, I want it to be something stupid. <laughs> I really do. But I want there to be like, maybe we have like some tire swings in the spooky forest. So the spooky forest like has like some fun stuff too. Like maybe one of the trees is like a hollowed out tunnel at the bottom, like a hollowed out trunk so you can like walk under it. Like I just, I want it to feel ethereal and I want it to feel like a portal to the fae world without actually being a portal to the fae world. We're going to surround, we're going to build all of our structures out of iron. No fae allowed. (laughs) Can't trust them. Anyway, that's a podcast. Woo! Woo! I wanted to do something fun in Italy-ish because that's just where I've been mentally. Mm-hmm. And then I feel like I overcorrected and did something really horrifying. Uh, yeah, the pictures are pretty rough. Uh, <laughs> if you Google the name of the catacombs, the Capuchin catacombs, not the Capuchin monkeys, it's different. Or the Capuchin crypts in Rome. Yeah, it's also different. Um, the Capuchin catacombs. You just Google that and the first few pictures are pretty unsettling. Yeah. Um, yay, mummified bodies. Yay. I apologize if you can hear the garbage truck in the background. Garbage people are very inconsiderate of our podcast recording needs. How dare they? But also the sanitation workers in literally everywhere in the world are heroes and do a job that so many of us don't want to do. So thank you, sanitation workers. Ooh. Jesus Christ. That was loud. <laughs> they really just said thank you. <laughs> That's what the banging meant. Yeah, at the beginning, and thank you for your recognition. Well, thank you for joining us on Full Scream Ahead. You can follow us wherever you get your podcasts at Full Scream Ahead. You can email us at Full Scream Ahead Podcast at gmail.com. We also have an Instagram and a Facebook. Um, you can Full Scream Ahead on Instagram and Full Scream, Full Scream Ahead, Ahead Podcast, Podcast on, on Facebook. Facebook. We both tried to do this exit with no script, which is why it's a little bit rougher, but we're going to go with it. <laughs> yeah. Because I mean, we got we hit all our points. Yeah, we hit all the points. Yeah. Um, and the garbage can says bye. 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 <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I can't. What's a witty ending? <laughs>